This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Take a dose of every day. How am I supposed to stay in a world built on empty ways? The lessons of our Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. Rob Snow White here. We are on Series 1, Episode 74, My Personal Top Flies for Largemouth Bass. Came up with this the other day while at the fly shop. I am working back at Orvis now, part-time. While my daughter is in school, I figure the hours where I'm not guiding, I can either be fishing I could be napping, I could be running errands, or I could be earning some extra money and talking fly fishing and just having a good time. So I'm back at the Orvis Tyson's Corner location where I worked from the late 90s to the early 2000s. You can find me there, I believe Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from about 10 until 2. So if you want to come by and talk fishing, make a purchase, hang out a little bit, you know where to find me during the weekdays. So I came up with this last week while I was familiarizing myself with the fly selection in the fly shop. And I was trying to think what are the flies in the shop that I would recommend for customers. The flies I sell as custom flies here in my own personal fly shop in my office. 
what flies I guide with and the flies I use on those very rare chances where I actually get to fish. So I've compiled a list of these flies. They're in no particular order. And some of them are my own personal design. Some of them are commercially available. Some are based on other flies. That's just sort of how fly fishing and fly tying go. Now, a lot of them are going to have the word like Snow White in front of them because they're either my flies or how I've come up with them, the derivations, how I changed them from something else. And I used to think people like Harry Murray back in the day was kind of maybe arrogant because he was always recommending his flies for people. So he always recommended like Murray's this or Harry's that or Murray's that. And I was like, well, you know what? This guy's arrogant. He's always, always trying to tell you to buy his flies, but you know what? They are his flies because he's been fishing where he has for so many years. He has tweaked and tweaked and filled with and tweaked some more these patterns to where they are exactly what he needs to catch fish. So Murray's strength, Murray's marauder, uh, Murray's Miss Piggy, all of his flies were created in the Shenandoah Valley for specific fish. Mr. Rapidan, if you're not fishing a Mr. Rapidan as your go-to, like a tractor trout fly on the Shenandoah Mountains, there's something wrong with you, unless you're doing a Royal Coachman. That fly is perfect. I used to be able to sit at the bar with guys at Orvis and discuss the merits of Murray's Mr. Rapidan for hours. Look it up. And by the way, looking up, I will have these all on the blog. I'll take pictures of them so you can follow along once they're up. It'll be flyfishingconsultant.blogspot.com. And then from there, it'll just be like the top bass flies for the podcast. So there's no real notes for this. It's just a bulleted list. My top flies, I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve patterns. And then there's sub varieties of each like i'll say a cheeseburger well you can have a bacon cheeseburger you can have a veggie burger you could have a turkey burger or you could have a burger wrapped in lettuce for people that don't want their carbohydrates but don't forget that lettuce is a carbohydrate it's made up of uh glucose in a certain amount of strings it's a it's a poly whatever all right so i'm gonna sit down here we have the fish tank going um everybody's doing great in there I've got uh, the computers going, and I've got my timetable laid out. So I'm going to put the microphone down, and I'm going to kind of just talk our way through this. Hopefully, um, everybody has purchased a line cutters from last podcast. Um, as of now, we've had 834 individual downloads of that podcast. So hopefully, there have been more than 800 purchases of this product. I had not taking my nap with me on the boat on Saturday, felt completely naked. And then on Sunday, uh, had it with me and it just made things so much easier. You don't have to look for your lanyard or look for my pliers on my hip. All I have to do is just raise up my knuckle and pop the line and I'm good to go. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this list of flies. All right. So first off, I have, well, let me go through the whole list just so you don't leave me hanging. I have uh, a worm pattern, a clouser pattern, a slider pattern, a Helgrimite pattern. And you might hear me grimace a little bit. I'm trying to point with my left arm. Uh, at my age, I would advise you not to do slip and slides covered with dish detergent. So left shoulder's a little banged up right now. So um, I, I'll make grimace a little bit. Uh, we have the Reaper fly, 
We have the curly tail. We have a popsicle, a damsel nymph, a gutless frog, a jig, a generic beadhead nymph, a tractor, and a mouse fly. So my plan, hopefully, is to just explain all of these. There are tutorials for a lot of them on YouTube. Once I figure out how to turn the fly shop here into um, a filming studio, I'm going to start doing some like HD videos with the Nikon and, and get some of these patterns up. But I definitely know that there are tutorials on a lot of these. And let's get started. Okay, so the worm fly. Um, this is... Basically, that long purple worm that everybody has fished with, that was a long purple zonker strip and a cone head and a weed guard. And I have modified mine. We used to sell Gully's worm at the Orvis shop that had the big foam tail and it was braided as Taz. So mine, and I'm going to give you the ingredients and, and break down all of this. This is on um, either an Orvis bass bug. And, uh, see the shoulder. Okay, I have the Orvis 8810 size one knot bass bug hook. They're crazy sharp. You may remember from a podcast or blog years ago that I put one through my finger in my kitchen. So is that or it's going to be on a Matsuo America circle wide gap worm hook one knot. And it starts off uh, with a cone. Now, if you want it to sink, you're going to wrap the shank with lead. Uh, preferably we're not going to use lead, but if you are using lead, man, I got to switch sides. I am using Kester, K-E-S-T-E-R, net weight one pound or 450 grams. And it is, um, actually SN, which is tin. So this might not be lead. It's quote 44, end quote, rosin core Alma de Resina Center de Resine made in USA. Um, point zero point eight zero millimeter, or point zero three one inches. Um, I can take a picture and show you, but it's basically a one pound spool of of heavy wire, and it took me uh, I don't know about seven years to go through the first one. I ordered another one, I couldn't find it, and of course, when I can't find something, I buy a new one, and then you eventually find what you lost once you buy a new one. So I, I just ordered a new Yeti Rambler lid this evening, and I guarantee you tomorrow I'll find the one I've been missing for three weeks. So that's the fly. Uh, instead of Estaz, I am using Crystal Flash Chenille. And it's a little stiffer. It lights up a little better, and it braids really well. The fly normally, I call it the Snallygaster worm. Snallygaster is a mythological river monster in the Potomac River, that crawls out at night and takes children. And it, it lives way up in the mountains. It's also the name of the beer festival down here. You're going to learn that my names of flies are a little abstract. So this one is hot pink. It's two strands of hot pink, one of hot orange. And it has a weed guard of 30-pound monofilament. Of course, I'm going to smash the barbs on it. And what I do is I, right at the, uh, the bend of the hook, I take three strands of crystal flash. I braid them. And then when I get to the end, um, I take another bobbin and I kind of just wrap around and knot off uh, the tail. I stopped using the foam just because um, I don't like the way it slows down the sink rate on this. It undulates much better on the retrieve. I definitely suggest all of these that you use a no-slip mono loop to get better action. 
And then the body of the actual hook is just hot pink, crystal flash, chenille just wrapped up to the head. Um, it's a great fly. It has fantastic action. You can also tie it out of like braided bohemian chenille from the craft store. But I like the esta or the, the crystal flash because the way it lights up and it's super light and it sheds water. So when you're going to bring this up, now only my uh, kind of advanced casting clients can throw this fly because it is big. This one is it's about seven, eight inches long. And I've noticed you get a lot of short strikes on it or just the bass this time of year are very lethargic. So I'm starting to tie them shorter. And I haven't been out myself to try out the shorter version, but we're, we should see how it does um, once my daughter goes back to school on the days I'm not in the shop. So that's the first worm. You can also tie up the squirmy wormy or the wormy pattern. If you want to tie up the squirmy wormies, you can go ahead, get for your local fly shop, uh, Spirit River wormy material. It's fantastic stuff. If you want to buy it in bulk, it is uh, called spaghetti. Worms, spaghetti, S-P-A-G-H-E-T-T-I, um, Hyperflex from Chef Mario or Mario, ages five and up. It's super stretchy, claims it. Um, this one is purple and turquoise. I also have glow in the dark. Now, the problem with the rubber wormies is they just do not hold up. So what I do is I tie about three to four strands of this onto a size 10 or 8 curved shrimp hook, preferably from Fly Shack Barbless. I wrap it with the wire, and then I tie a big bulge of clear mono thread behind it so it doesn't slide down the shank and cover up the hook point. There's more than enough in one of these $7 packs. Amazon has them off his playground, as well as eBay. They just don't hold up, so that's why I started tying like three to four on each one. And it's basically just um, like your your squirmy toe, your wormy, whatever is out there. Orvis has the worm. Um, it's great stuff. Fish freaking love it. Now, the one that I prefer is tied with the Fusilli Glow Ball from, uh, what's the company? Let me Give me a second here. Now, the problem is uh, I can't find it anymore. There was a store near us that carried it. They don't sell directly. Uh, Fusilli. Glow ball. Imperial Toys, that's it. I remembered it before I Googled it. It's Imperial Toy, and it comes in chartreuse, pink, blue, and maybe a purple. And what I do is it's the same shank, size 10, scud, shrimp curved. It's wrapped with wire, and it has uh, clear mono threads, so that way you're not using a colored thread that covers up the color of the worm. The pink shines through. I tie these, uh, I'm going to say about three inches long, and they're absolutely insane. Largemouth bass, um, hammer them. I'd say the largest bass on a guided trip this year was caught. I dropped it right now. I'm reaching for it with that bad shoulder. It's uh, it's fantastic. It falls apart eventually. So what you just do is you just rip them off and uh, just retie them on. They'll be a little shorter each time, but you can probably get three separate flies out of one. And the la- these are made to be tied as a dropper. So about 18 inches of 8-pound Berkeley Vanish behind whatever fly you're using. And because they're bright pink, they look like real worms in the water, and they undulate and bounce. And you're going to get a lot of mist fish from, you know, I can't say sunfish because bass are sunfish. 
you're going to get the bluegills, the red ears, crappy, uh, green sunfish. The rest are not really going to inhale it. They're more going to just pick up the tip. So if you've got like a popping bug as your lead fly, you are going to definitely um, miss some strikes. You're going to see it go down a lot, and you're going to set the hook, and you're just going to miss a lot of fish. They will destroy it after a while, so carry a bunch, as well as they will melt in a hot car, as with the spaghetti worms. So just be careful. Um, This is definitely a go-to fly. We've caught lots of catfish on them. So if this was a catfish podcast, I would tell you to put a BB split shot on it and have about a nine-foot leader, specifically at the four-mile run outflow at a high tide. And then have an indicator about seven, eight feet above and just let it swirl around. And, um, you know, good 20-something-inch catfish will pick it up. So that's the first pattern, the worm. The next is going to be the Clouser minnow. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful enough to have met Bob on certain events. I have a pink, white, and chartreuse Clouser of his taped to the wall in front of me in a little plastic baggie. You can't go wrong with the Clouser minnow. If you were going to fish only one of these flies... Um, probably would just be the clouser. So I've always been tying synthetic ones with super hair. Now, the reason I like super hair is you can blend the materials. So you can take multiple colors and kind of roll them in your fingertips and blend out. Um, instead of chartreuse and whites, so you can have white, but you can have like turquoise mixed with a little purple, a little uh, silver, a little, little green, and you can definitely get that counter shading, which you find on, on all bait fish. I use a size one um, hook. I use the Orvis saltwater hooks for these. They're incredibly sharp. And the reason I'm not using really big hooks, like the Bass Guys with five aughts, is it just does a lot of damage to the fish. You get a better chance of getting a clean hookup if you're not using something big. Like I said, we're catching largemouth in the two to three pound range on a size 10 shrimp scud hook. So, you don't need huge hooks for a lot of these. And if you hook yourself, uh, smaller hooks, definitely more pleasant to remove. So the clouser in the super form, I like uh, just better. And I, I've always preferred that because um, in the Potomac here locally in lakes, you want these in a four inch, about a four inch long fly. So let's say you're out somewhere and they're busting bait that's three inches long. Well, you could take your line cutter or your nippers or whatever you have on you and cut it down and make a smaller fly. You don't have that ability when you use bucktail. You lose, uh, this stuff is, is there's no taper to it. If you use bucktail, there's an eventual taper to it and that is going to be removed if you chop it down. Um, I use a little bit of crystal flash and a little bit of flashaboo in it. The one I got from Bob had a little bit of flashaboo in it. So if, if he gives me one with flashaboo in it, I'm going to start using flashaboo. So bucktail, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the bucktail ones for years. I don't know why, maybe because I used to fish a lot more saltwater and the, the teeth on fish would destroy them, whereas the super hair did not get destroyed. And then we started doing the beer ties and about twice a year, the fly du jour is going to be a bucktail clouser. Mostly because the Orvis store next to the bar doesn't sell super hair. They sell bucktails. So I started teaching them and started fishing them again. And lo and behold, we started catching some huge largemouth. And of course, they're mainly going to be in chartreuse and white. Just you can sit down and crank out a bunch. I use chartreuse, uh, 210 denier, 
um, Danville thread and I use lead eyes. I don't use anything with eyeballs, really. They're more expensive. I definitely know that fish go for eyeballs because that's a headshot. You damage the head of a fish, it's easier to catch. With the amount of flies that we go through, economically for me, it's just not feasible to be using lead eyes with painted stuff on them. I just go bottom barrel. Chartreuse on top, a little flashaboo. Um, I like a little bit of gold in there or a little pearl or a little gold and pearl mixed in. A lot of the fish around here are, are brownish and gold color, so it gives a nice little flash in the water. It also just allows you to see things. And when we're fishing the clouser with the worm dropper, we watch the bright clouser as our strike indicator because the other fly is going to be below it in darker water. We're not going to see it as well. So you definitely want to have these. And if you, you measure all of them, they're about four inches long, which is convenient because there's a lot of shiners in the water here, a lot of common shiner. And at this time of year, uh, tomorrow, September 1st, we have four inch baby American shad all up and down the tidal section of the river, which is where I mostly fish. You notice this is mostly a large mouth fly podcast as opposed to small mouth because I rarely get up river to do smallies. And the four inch ones pretty much mimic what uh, they're they're gorging themselves on right now. So if you wanted to tie a super clouser one, lots of grays and blues in there. Same with your clouser, grays and blues and whites to match that kind of um, you know stormy sky gray off color that the baby shad are. Silvery, dark blue, gray. So that's it for clousers. Next up is going to be a slider. So my first slider ever was a sneaky peat. Balsa wood, chartreuse, rubber legs, weed guard. Picked it up at the Tyson's Corner Store in 1993. So that's how long I've been at the store as a customer. And now I'm back working. And I loved it. I caught a huge, actually the first cast with it on my brand new Orvis seven foot five weight at Lake Audubon and Reston was uh, the largest largemouth I'd ever caught out of that lake at the time. I just walked down, threw a cast out. It looked like the toilet bowl, you know, flush, kaboosh. And I reeled in this fish and I ran, I didn't have a camera. So I ran home and I put the fish in a sunken sailboat and let it just swim around in there. And then my mom came back down with the, the Nikon film camera and took a picture and it's hilarious to look at how skinny I was back then and uh, my aviators and my haircut and, and totally just see what fashion was like back in 95. Definitely uh, branded from 902 and 0 was a, an influence with the hair and everything. So I used those for years and the fish ripped the legs off and they got chipped and the feathers were broken off. So it was just like a body. And then I started working at Orvis in 99, and we had these are Mr. Bob's Lucky Day poppers and sliders, the Prissy Miss. I have maybe two dozen of these left, just squirreled away in my closet. It's uh, maybe a size 8 hook, it's googly eyes, a dye-injected rubber head. The difference between a popper and a slider is a popper has a flat front forward and pushes water where a slider you do a 180 with the head and the flat front is facing back and you have the narrow point in the head more bullet shape it's got uh, like black crystal flash coming off and some rubber legs it's on a saltwater hook because they were dye injected rubber they were basically indestructible the legs and eyes would get ripped off and fish would still eat them 
dead drift these things and they were lethal back when I used to fish the Shenandoah all of the time I was fishing the and back then I didn't really fish the tidal stretch. I would go to lock five, which is just above the tidal zone. Um, and you get into an adjuvant fish there, but I really wasn't into the, the saltwater stuff in the nineties or the, the brackish I'd say. So, uh, this was my favorite fly. And then Mr. Bob went out of business. Nobody wanted to pick them up. He stopped selling them. So it took me years and I developed my scorpion fly. And scorpion fly is a size four, four X long hook. Right now it is on the fly shack hooks. They're big. They're sharp. They're awesome. They're you get a hundred uh, hooks for seven bucks and the tail of them. So this is where it is now. I could go through how the design of this thing went for years. It's uh, a very stiff synthetic material, basically like the super clouds are, but stiffer. It's more bristly, almost like paintbrush fibers. And I was able to get a giant clump of these in chartreuse. So these flies are always chartreuse or uh, green. And I use my, um, my mylar foam that I make here. And what it is, is you first tie down, and this is all in a tutorial on the blog, so you can go check it out now. So you first tie down about an inch and a half of the tail. And then chartreuse, crystal flash chenille, I tie in uh, one, two, three, four sets of legs. And then I take about a five-inch piece of foam. I use an empty bobbin. I pop a hole in it. I fold it over so there's foam on top, foam on the bottom, and then I just wrap it. And this sort of came from Bill Skilton showing me how to tie extended dragonfly bodies. And um, the whole idea of this fly is that it splats and it has a very large kind of circumferency surface area to it. So dead drifted, it just looks like a big dragonfly or a cicada or whatever it is from below. It's not meant to be stripped fast through the water. It's meant to just glide across the surface and make a subtle wake. Whereas the poppers make like a glug, glug, glug. This just kind of whispers as it goes across. Very subtle. And it's made specifically to be fished with a snow white damsel below it. Although we'll do the wormy and, and some of these other flies I'm mentioning. But this has been probably my number one top water fly since its inception about 12 years ago. And, um, it's easy to tie. It's dirt cheap to tie. Now, the problem is the mylar does come off after a while. If you let it sit out in UV light in your car, the rubber legs are going to degrade. You can always add those in again, but fantastic fly. It's got the concave nose on it and it just gently goes through the water. This is along the wall, of the tidal basin up against rocks. Um, you name it. It's, it's my number one top water producer and the strange thing is you'll get bluegill that'll eat this and then you'll get a large mouth that'll eat the dropper and it's just strange sometimes we'll get bluegills green sunfish will come up for such a big fly you'd be surprised at the small fish that we accidentally hook next up is the helgramite it's the juvenile stage or the larval form of a dobson fly which are gigantic bugs you're definitely going to find them in clear, moving water. We find them just above kind of the tide zone down here. So on the Potomac, I don't know where we start seeing them, but on like, say, Pohick Bay, they're going to be up in the creeks. You find them on uh, Hemlock Overlook. So, so pretty urban, close-by places. Now, this all started with, um, you know, having used a black woolly bugger, at, you know, starting off. And I always knew that Helgramites were one of the favorite flies of smallmouth, favorite insects, because it's a huge morsel. 
I once had one in my shoe and it crawled out and kind of bit me. And I was like, all right, to spite you, I'm now going to put you on a hook. And it was like on a woolly bugger. And I put it on the hook and I threw the fly out right at my toes. And a small mouth came up and ate it. And I probably got three to four small mouth before that Helgramite was ripped off the hook. And it took me years and years. I played with so many different things to try and come up with a Helgramite fly. And again, this comes back to Bill Skilton. Um, oh, I have to go back to the Clouser in a moment. I'll just look at my notes. All right, so Bill Skilton tied up this filthy Helgramite. It was real beefy. It had a little carapace over the head and pinchers. And the material was Marabou Chenille. He sold it through his catalog and online. And he told me... It was a secret that it was a commercially sold uh, for fabric something. And uh, I tried different chenilles. I never could figure it out. And he basically said it's a trade secret. And he, you know, I've known Bill for 15 years now, and I still never was told what it was. And lo and behold, one day I was out just pissing around some stores and I found maybe the same material or not. And I've, filmed bill and there's another video on youtube if you just look up the skilton helgramite you'll see it and his is ridiculous bill is i mean he's my idol when it comes to tying uh i finally found the stuff and some other stuff and started putting it together and then um i first braided it and then i decided to furl it and i played with using different types of mandibles and i never liked them so i basically took harry murray's idea of just two rubber legs sticking out the front um, I fished these two ways, weighted light and weighted heavy. The lightweight ones just have large bead chain on it. I believe it's size 10. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think it's size 10 bead chain. I get it on a giant spool from Amazon. The other one is going to have a lead wrap body with dumbbell eyes. And that's just to get it down deep in fast water where these fish live. I'm sorry, the Helgramites. So these bugs live under rocks. You don't really see them, and at some point, I guess, when they go up to hatch or if they come loose from where they're hanging out, they're going to tumble downstream, and that's when they're going to get eaten. So this fly, um, I strip it. I dead drift it. I love sight casting it, though, like I said, I don't get to fish too often, and I think the last time I caught a bass on that fly was about four years ago, but I caught two sight casting that day, and it was awesome. And still, you know, largemouth will pick them up, but it's more of a location fly that we want the riffly fast water which is not often where we're guiding but when we're in that water this fly is the go-to um, if you don't want to you know purchase from me you can go to uh, omf dennis ekrot's site on facebook and he can also give you a recipe for a spatchcock chicken there's bill skilt there's myself there's also josh's wiggle helgramite from dead drift outfitters i i like the action of it um, it's a little too beefy. These are dorso ventrally flattened organisms. They live under rocks. They're not round. They're flat like a caterpillar that got run over by a car. So the material I use allows it to have that flattened appearance. Josh's, while it has probably the best action, is just a little too round from it's, you know, hot dog shaped versus pancake shaped. Um, don't get mine near a fire. They will go up in flames. I wanted to see what happened if you melted it and it just kind of exploded. So the Helgramite, it's a big juicy protein. I use a size four fly shack hook, uh, just regular lead eyes. And then I have uh, this fizzy stuff for the legs. Don't really, you know, focus on the head and the mandibles, which is a very key identifying feature 
of a Helgramite, but I'm more concerned with kind of the shape and movement of it. And I do not have Helgramites in my tank because they're just jerks and they basically just eat everything out of your tank. Now, something else is eating all my scuds because there are no scuds in there. I'm getting caddis and midges daily hatching. I can't find the dragonfly. I can't find the damselflies. But the scuds are definitely gone. I have not seen a single one in, in a couple of days. What do we have next? Okay, the reaper. So this fly, I came across this from the catalog, the fly fishers out of Wisconsin. It's a, it's a huge fly. Pat Ellers came up with it, and there's a couple tutorials. You need some special material for this one. Like the Helgramite that I tie, it's it's a, a niche fly, and it requires a niche material. So I'll explain how to tie it and how to fish it. Uh, first off, you need a ultra suede leech tail. So I guess the leech tail was coined by Chuck Craft here in Virginia. Now, it's called a, a reaper tail commercially on hairline and on cascade crest. So it's a, it's a one or one-aught Matsuo America wide gap worm hook. I tied down the chartreuse and black dumbbell eyes. And then I tie in the reaper tail sticking out the back. I then tie in, I used to tie these with like um, chenille to thicken them up, but it just gets in the way. So I'm using uh, polar flash chenille, UV polar flash chenille from Hairline Dubbin. And it lights up really well. It's basically a synthetic flash. If you don't have that, eyelash yarn to match will work. And then you basically just wrap that from above the hook point all the way up behind the eyes. And then you get a skirt of rubber legs. If I'm using a chartreuse polar flash chenille, it's dyed UV polar flash. So then you take a skirt and you split it in half and you tie one end behind the eyes uh, with the hook point up and then you flip it over like you do a clouser and another behind the eyes. The slower you fish this fly, the better. When I fish this, I stick the rod butt into my gut and I'm just flipping it kind of like... I don't, know, I don't know how to describe it. It's a very slow, like you'd see a guy conventional fishing working like a, a worm or something. It's a very slow pop, sink, pop, let it sink, pop, let it sink, pop. And you just want this fly kind of bouncing slowly through the water. It's subtle. This isn't like ripping a fly through. That's why I don't use poppers. These are all very subtle retrieves. And I've gotten my biggest fish this year on reapers. I also tie them in a purple speckled one. I tie them in a pumpkin speckled one. And basically the colors I tie them in are what I have. The next time I do a big order from Hairline, I'll get more skirts and more UV polar chenille. I tied up, I don't know how many of these in copper orange for guys on the Susquehanna, you remember, during the Lancaster Fly Fishing Show last year. And depending on where we're fishing them, if it's inland lakes, there's no weed guard. If we're fishing the Potomac, especially this time of year, late summer or technically commercially the end of summer, you got to have a weed guard. So 30 pound monofilament. If you could double up on either side, you're going to do better. And don't forget to debarb these because Matsuo hooks are freakishly bizarrely samurai sword sharp, and they will pierce your flesh without any hesitation. It will not take much, which is why a subtle retrieve on these is easy to hook them because these hooks are so freaking sharp. It doesn't take much to punch it through the membranes on their mouth. And the tail and the skirts are the same length. And basically, it's like a, it's a pig and jig. If you remember back to your, your Bass Pro Shops catalogs, 
the pig and jig. That's what this is. And I would love to get Pat on the podcast to talk about his crazy flies because this one has definitely changed a lot of my game. And if I do this podcast, if I did it two years ago, it'd be completely different. If I did it two years from now, it'd be completely different because things change in how I fish and the materials available to me. So yeah, that's how we do it. So next up, the curly tail. The curly tail for me originated with an Orvis fly called the curly tail bunny. And I'm holding one with me. It's all rusty, so I probably won't use it. It's uh, small lead eyes with like a 50-pound weed guard and then cross-cut rabbit. And then two, um, this one's black cross-cut rabbit with a green, black speckled rubber tail behind it. And one of the first times I fished these was out in Bluemont, Virginia, at a farm pond. And I got broken off on 3X on my second cast. And I said, all right, this fly is on to something here. And I started fishing on the local lakes and, and river and really started catching fish. And then you started realizing that the rubber legs, or sorry, rubber legs, yeah, it has rubber legs on it too. The rubber tails eventually get ripped off by the fish or they eventually just pierce through the hook and get hung up and don't spin like the Mr. Twister that Harry likes to use for crappy in the tidal basin. Great fly, and then Orvis discontinued it. So Rich Farino at Urban Angler, when Urban Angler first moved to D.C., he ordered me like 15 packs of these, and I tied them with rabbit and basically mimicked what I got from Orvis. And then I came across uh, William Persniak, Eastern Trophies tails, and these are made of ultra suede. And then I started playing around with materials I was getting a hold of to include different types of UV polar chenille and eyelash yarns. So I switched from zonker, which can be, or it's not zonker, crosscut, which is kind of heavy when it gets wet. So from there, I changed it up a bit. So I tie it with a large dumbbell eye, and then I tie in the tail. And William, when he ties his flies with these tails, has them very short. I tie these very long. So when I'm using my Regal Vice, when I put the hook, and this is going to be a size one knot bass bug hook from Orvis. When I put this in my Regal Vice, the tail wraps right around that little spring doodad, and you know you got the right length. I then do, if it's black, which is what I'm holding now, it's going to be the same black peacock estaz I use on my bacon fly, which is a fly I don't fish for bass. It probably works. I just don't fish it for bass. It's my trout fly. And then it's, uh, this is black and silver tinseled uh, eyelash yarn. It's basically like the Martha Stewart stuff you can get at Michael's or AC Moore. And then I just wrap that up. It's like a woolly bugger with a curly tail and dumbbell eyes. And then I tie in a set of barred uh, silicone legs, crazy legs. It's basically the same body and rubber legs as the bacon fly. And you strip this in. You can't really use a dropper on this one because of the nature of the spinning tail. When the tail spins, it would kind of screw up a dropper. So this is a great fly for along weed beds, drop-offs, docks, you name it. I caught my second snake hit ever on the purple one. And the reason I like the ultra suede is because it's basically indestructible. It doesn't get punctured by the hook. It may hang up on the hook. But it doesn't get destroyed. If you snag it in a tree, it doesn't tear. Fish don't bite it off. It's going to make your fly last a very long time. And that is the curly tail. Um, I renamed mine the curly tail Naki. The Naki is uh, it's like a, a river 
spirit in um, kind of Northern European mythology, and they basically pull you under water and eat you. And that's the Naki. And of course, you can either buy the store versions of these from me at Orvis or your local fly shop if they have them, Pat Ellers, or you can uh, do custom orders. These should all be listed on the website under the store function. And I just dropped a fly. I'm hoping it's not one that I need. All right, that's the curly tail. We're going to go next to the popsicle. And I don't know how I came across, started tying these. It's basically a big, poofy mass of marabou. It's on a 4X long, size 4 hook. And again, weighted or heavily weighted. Weighted is just dumbbell eyes made out of bead chain. Heavily weighted, it's going to be a wire-wrapped shank with lead eyes on it. And ideally, these are meant to be fished with a sink tip. This fly sort of came to fruition for me at Gravelly Point where we're swinging flies across and downstream on an outgoing tide at dusk. And it's three marabous, the first one, and you palmer them. You just wrap them in a circle over the hook. I don't really add flash to these. It's just three pieces of marabou. So this one just happens to be yellow, uh, sky blue, chartreuse. And you want very long, wispy marabou. So if you want to tie this fly, you have to, have to, have to open up the marabou packs at your fly shop and go through them. You want the very wispy, lightweight, webby ones that will undulate in the water. Now, this fly looks huge when it's wet. It looks like something a cat threw up. But once it's wet, the fibers all tapered down, and you have this, it looks like a steak knife in the water from the side. It has this blade, minnow-shaped, tapered body with kind of a fat head to it. And when it goes across... You don't have to do anything but let the current suck this fly out. It it wobbles and undulates just like a fish. And I'm watching my fish in the tank here. When you're tying articulated flies, it's the last third of the fish that moves. And that's exactly what this fly does. And I just tied up an articulated fly tonight. And you know when you get your art, you get blood drawn, you get that tourniquet of that rubber stuff? Well, I got the doctor to give me a strand of the white one. And I use that for the tails on my articulated striper fly. But this isn't really a striper podcast. But we do get stripers on these. It started out as a striper fly. And then I started throwing it on the main stem of the Potomac. And lo and behold, catfish and largemouth would freaking go crazy for it. My main color is going to be fuchsia. What is it? It's fuchsia, like orange, and then chartreuse. Just really bright so I can see it. And it's it's the same four inches long as the Clousers. It's the same length as the Reaper, the Curly Tail. And the scorpion. So everything here is about four inches long. Just oddly, just happens to be that way. It makes a mess when you tie this. We were told to stop tying these by the waitress at the original beer tie location, which is Re-Raw Pub. She said, oh, love, you can't tie these in the pub. It makes a mess. Uh, And I love them. I absolutely love this fly. It's very simple to tie. And uh, the way it just dances in the water. That sink tip, fast water, you name it, it's gonna it's gonna produce for you. And it works for Steelhead and Salmon too, Great Lakes out west. I think the original popsicle was designed in Alaska. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was designed basically just to undulate and pulse in the water to anger salmon and draw that that um, strike out of them from aggression. 
the colors will fade after a while. And it's amazing. You, you pull them out wet and you stick them on a fly drying patch or throw them on your dashboard. And once they dry, it goes back to the same exact poof. And I'm just sitting here playing with it. It's just a fun, cool fly. And what happens is the colors blend. So it's mostly chartreuse. And then the blue and yellow kind of just blend into like a light green. So if you wanted to fish these for shad, it would be like a blue, gray, and white color. And you'll love them. Trust me on this one. At Orvis, we sell a popsicle unweighted. It's called, I don't know what it's called, but uh, it's just Palmered Marabou, three strands. And you, you got to trust me on this one. When you get it wet, you're going to be like, holy shnikes, dude, that looks like a fish. Now, next up is a fly that took years to develop. It started off with the Orvis Living Damsel, and that fly just hammered fish. And then I started making my own braided one, and that was just kind of a pain in the butt to sit there and do the extended tail. And somehow, one day I came up with using ostrich plumes, crystal flash. So it's, again, the same size 10 curved shrimp hook from Fly Shack. It's got bead chain eyes, the same bead chain you would use on like dog tags. Five to six strands of ostrich plume and three strands of multicolor crystal flash. Not rainbow, but multicolor. And when you measure these in your, and for me, it's the Regal Vice. The tail is the exact length to that springy. And it's just, it's simple. It's effective. It's my number one fly for everything. Uh, one of my clients caught a steelhead on one last year. We've caught... More big, large mouth, small mouth, and stripers on this than anything else. It's the number one shad fly. It's the fly that when I take my wife out, I give her because it's just that effective. I tie these by you know two to three dozen at a time. It's one of my best sellers at the fly fishing shows. It's one of my number one custom ordered flies. And I really need to just sit down and tie these by the hundreds and just keep them stocked. So I have them. And chartreuse is my number one. I tie them in yellow and gray and black. I've got some purple and fuchsia, but it's really the chartreuse. I don't know if they think it's a damsel nymph, if they think it's a minnow, whatever, but it works. It's awesome. It's very hardy. After a while, the colors will fade, but you can catch fish after fish. And big fish will still eat this thing. It's amazing to me that, like I said earlier, you'll get a largemouth take this and a bluegill goes after the scorpion fly so you can get the orvis one they switched from a light olive to a very dark olive color which i'm not a fan of uh, maybe i can get sean brillen to maybe switch the olive out but mine's in chartreuse there's our braided marabou it's a great fly for largemouth of all size anywhere you go this is your must-have fly of anything i'm telling you tonight I said Clouser, you know, would be the greatest one, but the damsel, it just works. And when things work, you don't question it. That's what my daughter uses when we go out. She's been slaying the bluegills the last couple of weeks. Next up, gutless frog. And if I haven't told the story, so I was trying to make my own frog pattern. And I was posting pictures of these just god-awfully ugly flies. They were just ugly, disgusting. I was trying to make them look like, Spro or KMD frogs, they're topwater for snakeheads. And I you know, I post these pictures of these just heinous flies on Instagram. And people are like, I should say one person said, means gutless frog. I was like, all right, man, whatever. And then like five months later, I, I Googled it. And I was like, all right, that's a cool looking fly. I'll check it out. And I only could get a picture of it. I can't find 
I could order one from Rainey's, but I never saw one in person. There's literally no other tutorial online on how to tie his fly. And I talked to him on Facebook and stuff. Uh, never really gotten him to tie a tutorial for it. So I had to come up with my own. And I started off with the Orvis Bass Bug hook, and it just didn't work. And then I switched to the Matsuo Circle Wide Gap Worm Hook. And it was great, but the hook kind of came loose a little bit. And then I did a big order of the Matsuo Sickle Hooks. And I'm going to go grab, is that a pack right here? No, hold on. Off of the pegboard wall, these are Matsuo America Size 1 Quantity 25, number 143012 Sickle. X wide J bend worm hook. And what happens when you tie this, it's a straight and then a J shape. So it holds the body of this frog. And all it is, is about three inches of Rainey's float foam. And you do three wraps behind the eye, three wraps in front of the eye. And then you use the Zuddy leg puller, Matt Zudwig's tool. And you pull some rubber legs through the front and you can go through my fly boxes in the car and, the office here and you can see how these have evolved and now i have the legs the tail legs the feet coming straight out the back they used to come out laterally and it's completely changed on how i fish this and this is just in the last year i've completely revamped this fly it's freaking awesome it's 99.9 percent weedless it's on the matsuo hook so if something bites it it's getting hooked you're not going to lose it it's very uh, indestructible the one thing is that the foam tends to kind of wobble loose from the hook. So a lot of clear cure goo. That's the one downfall I'm still working on. But you can bring them back down here to the office, hit it with some CCG and take them back out. I'm using black with like a chartreuse or light green legs. You can do droppers behind them. But if you need a fly to go over lily pads, chuck up on a dock and drop off, this is the fly. I fish it slow. You'll get some huge blow-ups on it. And... We get seven-inch bass eating this gigantic fly. You'll get three-pound bass eating this giant fly. It's awesome. It's not perfected. Like, the scorpion fly hasn't changed in five to six years. The curly tail's changed. The damsel hasn't changed at all. But this keeps evolving. And I'm hoping that once I figure out how to keep it from rotating without having to use a bunch of clear cure goo, it will be just a freaking awesome fly. And it does not look anything like... Rob Mead's fly, his rubber legs are tied over the, the foam. Mine are, are pierced through. Uh, it's like the ugly cousin of Rob Mead's. His flies look like something out of this world. They're crazy, but yeah, my gutless frog. Um, it's pretty darn cool. The problem is that Rainy's foam, it's seven bucks for 24 inches. You can get it from Jay Stockyards, and I use the extra large if I can. And that gutless frog is just, it's nuts, man. You really need to get that Matsuo hook, the J-Bend, to get this thing to sit properly. I don't know what, what Rob Mead is using down in Australia, but I am now settled with that. Next up, we have, oh, let me go back to the Clousers first. So I mentioned that they're four inches long, bucktail and... Super Clousers. Well, I also do one that's a one one inch to 1.5 inch. It's a size six streamer hook, tiny dumbbell eyes, and I use calf tail. And that just gives you your smaller bait fish flies. Granted, you're going to get the shad and bluegill on it too, but 
Largemouth, you know, they're opportunistic. We're not talking about very choosy fish. If you go back to the podcast all about largemouth bass, I call them like drunk frat guys. And if you're a drunk frat guy, apologies, but you do tend to drink a lot of beer and you get very hungry and you get very hangry. So when we get hangry, we got to feed y'alls. And when a fish is hungry, it's opportunistic, like the largemouth bass. It doesn't care. It's going to eat. These fish are not going to be like, oh, you know what? That's not a four-inch fish. I'm going to pass it up. Uh, They're going to eat it. So a one-inch, and I do chartreuse and pink. That's my go-to. And they're calf tail or KHP or uh, kip tail. It's basically a baby cow's tail dyed. And we'll get to the non-dyed part. So they're always like chartreuse or green or pink. And then there's always brown on the bottom. We'll get to that next. Not next, but after this. The next one up is, uh, it was my shad jig. So my shad jig is a 132-ounce jig head. And it has about an inch of pearl or silver flash if it was a tail. And just the body wrapped with like chartreuse or hot pink estaz. And I got made it for shad so it would sink fast. And we get down to where the shad are. And I started fishing them in other places. Which makes me see, that's why I should write this stuff down. So I started fishing it with a, a four inch long San Juan worm trailer. So the other worm is a four inch long San Juan on a size eight curved shrimp hook. You're like, dude, what are you talking about? San Juan worms are an inch long. Yeah, they are, but there's a lot of very large round worms in the water. And bass know that. And if you can use this fly, to get it down to the bottom and get that four inch long worm dragging along the bottom, you're going to pick up some very large bass. Now back to the jig. So I started using the jig just to get the big worm down and I started catching just as many large bass on the jig. So all I did was extend the tail to about an inch and a half long and it's the Orvis silvery flashaboo that's softer than the pearl and it just undulates better. It's basically silver Christmas tinsel. And that combination for me when I'm fishing the tidal basin for largemouth is absolutely just stellar. And this is a slow, like, I'm not even taking steps. I'm just kind of dragging my feet forward, shuffling them, and then bobbing that rod up and down. The slower you fish this rig, the better. Catfish will hammer it too, so be careful. Don't hit yourself or your rod because you'll break them. 132 ounce. I get them on eBay. There are 100 hooks for $4. Next up is an odd one, and just to prove, last weekend we caught a ton of largemouth bass on size 12 uh, hair's ears. So I tie um, my flashback soft tackle beadhead pheasant tails for steelhead, and I always carry them with me as a dropper fly because largemouth eat them. Gene Trump, the guy who does the fly fisherman cartoons back in like 97, had a largemouth bass spitting something out saying, ugh, yuck. I just ate a bug. Well, you know what? Damselflies are bug. Dragonflies are bug. Helgramites are bugs. All these things are bugs, and bass eat bugs. And I don't know what it is. It's just a little morsel. Like, why is it going to pass up, you know, a little meal? Like, if I go around with an hors d'oeuvre tray, they'll take a, a pig in a blanket while you're waiting for your T-bone steak for later, you know, at the wedding or whatever you're going to. So I started tying up my HNIC, head nymph in charge. It's the size 12 with a bead head. And I take that brown part of the calf tail and a little pinch of that and use that as a tail. And then the body is um, a brownish rust colored ice stub. It's the olive brown ice stub. And then I put a flashback over that. 
with Mirage, Mirage Flashaboo. And then there's a soft hackle behind the bead and it just dances wonderfully in the water. It's one of my all time favorites. I haven't tied them in a while just because I have so many beadhead nymphs left over from steelhead season last year from the uh, healing waters trip. We ended up not using a whole lot of like the 60 that I tied and they're still going strong in my box. Another one, beadhead prints. Again, you'll have the bass eat the beadhead prints and you'll have the bluegill go after the slider scorpion bug a hair's ear olive or natural another great one when my daughter's out fishing we're using um a chernobyl ant and i probably could have included chernobyl ants in here we'll do that next and then um you know just a flashback hair's ear and she'll catch bass and bluegill alike on the dropper pheasant tail also um orvis used to sell it was like a hunchback nymph that worked but just a generic size 12 beadhead nymph i know all of you have them because you also trout fish don't be shy to put that on as your dropper you will catch a largemouth on that little fly because they're opportunistic feeders if something just goes by and they can just suck it in effortlessly and gain calories they're gonna do it so while i mentioned uh, chernobyl ants the foam depot which is a derivation of a chernobyl ant it's just Pipe insulation, Frost King from Home Depot. You can probably look up a tutorial. Dirt cheap to tie. It's a size four hook. And then it just has a chenille body. And then you just tie down the foam. And you could probably tie 10000 for $6 of foam. If you have leftover gutless frog material, you can use that as your Chernobyl ant as well. Just remember with all these, whatever dropper you're using cannot be heavy enough to pull down your floating fly. So if it's a gutless frog, a slider of some sort, any popping bug, whatever your floating fly is, your lead fly has to be buoyant enough to hold up your dropper or you negate the whole fact of having that as like your strike indicator. And last but not least, uh, I'm going to choose a mouse fly. So I used to use like the whip mouse and they're great, but I can't tie deer hair and I'm not spending seven bucks on a mouse pattern. And you're paying for the whiskers and the nose, the cute little nose and the whiskers and the ears and the little googly eyes, all that fancy stuff on a fly that is not needed. Do you remember Walter Weesey's podcast about the, the giant fish out West in the land of giants? Well, he had his six tenants of fly tying, which included not using extraneous material. You do not need whiskers and stuff on mice. And back when I was single, I basically watched uh, fishing shows on and CSI on Friday nights. And then one night, um, I just decided it was a rerun on CSI. We're talking 2000. I went out to Home Depot looking for some stuff to tie with. And I got this giant thing of pipe insulation, six feet for like $7. And I started tying gigantic grasshoppers. I had worked at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum in the insect zoo. And we had lubber grasshoppers from Florida. And they were like the size of, oh, they were, dude, they were huge. And I wanted to make one out of foam. So I tie these monstrosities and everyone laughed at me. And nowadays, big flies like that are kind of in. And I kind of just stuck the stuff in my closet, made a couple ants with it. And then in Colorado, 10 years ago, literally like 10 years ago, three months ago, I caught one of the biggest trout ever on a, a submerged mouse fly. And most mouse flies are made to float. I was like, all right, I'm going to make one. I'm going to sink it. I caught a huge fish. I'm like, well, that's a great fly. Um, I want to fish more mice, but I've got like four mice patterns that I've had for years and I can't tie them because I don't do deer hair. 
I'm going to make one out of foam. So I got the, the Home Depot black foam and I started carving it and tying it and putting tails on it and weed guards and everything. And I came up with the splat rat. It is a ridiculously good fly. Thomas Perkins will tell you he put a rattle on one today and he's been catching like pike and largemouth on it. It's a size one knot bass hook from Orvis. It's originally started with Walmart tinseled black chenille as the body, black uh, ultra chenille tail, the same you tie a San Juan with, and then like a, a giant um, circus peanut candy sized piece of foam. And you wrap it down very tightly so it doesn't rotate on the hook. And then you trim it to shape once you cut the thread. Fantastic largemouth fly. They will come up and hammer that. Weed guard if you need it. And that is uh, my list of the top bass flies that I sell. I use when I'm guiding. I endorse the people in fly shops or their variants because some of these are, are my own niche flies. And um, what I use when I'm fishing by myself. So I hope you get a chance to Look at the YouTube tutorials on these. Learn to tie them yourself. None of them are too complicated. They are definitely containing some odd materials. If you want to get the curly tails from William, it is easterntrophies.com. And you can also get another one uh, by Pat Cohen at rusuperfly.com. I've not tried Pat's. Um, I get William's. He lives like five miles away from me. They come next day in the mail. And uh, if you get the white ones, you can color them with Copic pens, which is what I've been doing after watching Pat Cohen. I'll get a picture of these up hopefully soon. And we're going to start getting into some fall season stuff as uh, the fall runs are about to begin. So I appreciate you listening to this podcast and stay tuned for the next one. Jason, let's... uh, Let's clean this up and make it sound as professional as you always do, everyone. I'm going to go to bed and try and heal up this shoulder. Thank you all for downloading. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Media.